Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. It is actually Halloween. It is Monday, October 31st, and hopefully the uh, scaries have passed us on this weekend. We can kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy here, but I, uh, I have a feeling the NFL won't let us do that. But joining me today, we have a full cast here as Jason Katz. You can follow him over on Twitter at, J- at JasonKatz13 and Ian Warden at NFL Film Study are here in studio. And fellas, interesting weekend. We are now on the bye apocalypse as six teams have a bye coming up here in week nine. We have one more game to go here as the Bengals head to Cleveland to take on the uh, Cleveland Browns, which I think is fitting. They're playing literally next to a lake named Erie on uh, on Thursday night. But for me, if, if the Cleveland Browns don't come out with the jack-o'-lantern, like Charlie Brown-style decals on their helmets, I think we all deserve a refund. Maybe that's just me. But, fellas, how was your how'd your weekend go, Cats? It went pretty good. Um, this time, we actually had a sea of green in my fantasy matchups on both sides. I got buzzsawed in one league, but hey, when you're in 10 of them, that's going to happen inevitably. And in general, though, I just like to see the return of offense to the NFL. It had been a while since we saw it. Uh, welcome back, offense. Yeah, welcome back, offense. Uh, I think that we all deserve that. To a certain extent, I think we we've deserved that just like we all deserved the the DJ Moore touchdown. We deserved Cole Komet finally scoring, and we deserved Kyle Pitts finally scoring. Although I'm sorry to every fantasy manager who benched him because, quite frankly, we all should have done it at that point. It is what it is. Ian, how was your weekend, bud? It was good, man. It was great for props. Did a great job hitting on the props last week. I think it was my best yeah. week so far with anytime touchdowns. Um, so we love seeing that Christian McCaffrey just lighten it up. Needed him in my one league so badly after three years of using him as a keeper. He finally pays off. It's It's been many weeks, but I got some vengeance this week. It's good to see my guy, Justin Fields, too. His fourth mm. straight QB1 production week. Um, so, you know, it's, I was pretty happy with this week overall tonight. You know, looking to have a, a nice solid play, especially to underdog. Uh, I want to get on the more positive side of things after I missed like a four and five player parlay yesterday over there. So I was a little bummed about that. that. But overall, that. pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, three touchdowns, one passing, one rushing, and one throwing, uh, which I think is always interesting. First player since 2005 with Ladanian Tomlin, which is, you know, like we always say, like Christian McCaffrey is the closest thing we've seen since Ladanian Tomlinson, and go figure, he goes out there and does that uh, on Sunday, putting up just Madden-type numbers. But let's start heading into and look ahead to what will be week nine in the NFL. And like we talked about, this is the Bipocalypse, although... Not a ton of teams that will be directly impacting your uh, your key players, but we just mentioned Christian McCaffrey. 49ers will be on a bye this week, as are the Dallas Cowboys and the 6-2 New York Giants. 
Joining them as well will be the Cleveland Browns, who are playing tonight. The Denver Broncos are making their way back from London. And the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, just a couple little house cleaning notes here. Looking at some injuries. Christian Watson was ruled out of the first half on Sunday with a concussion. We'll see what happens there. The bigger one, uh, Cooper Cup injured his ankle on a six-yard catch in the you know about a minute remaining on the clock when they were up you know 17 points. And Sean McVay even said that he was kicking himself uh, to leave Cooper Cup in there and not uh, not calling a run play instead, which not the first time we've seen that out of coaches that are to have a big lead and star players just just get him out. There's nothing for them. There's nothing good that can happen at that point. Uh, but they do feel they dodged the bull with his ankle injury. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully he's going to be good to go. Irv Smith, who we thought was going to have a big a big week, although Johnny Munt uh, stole the touchdown from him, uh, had an MRI on his ankle and is diagnosed with a high ankle sprain. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, Mark Ingram, they feel kind of dodged a bit of a bullet, but he still suffered a grade two MCL sprain. Means he's likely out three to four weeks. Alvin Kamara finally had his big games, finally found the end zone also, doing it three times last night. Uh, take Mark Ingram out of the equation. Alvin Kamara could go nuts here for a little while here. DePonte Parker also suffered a knee injury and was rolled out against the Jets. And then Richie James ruled out with a concussion, adding uh, a little more uh, uncertainty to the New York Giants uh, wide receiver room, which is just can't stay healthy. I swear they've used more tape on those wide receivers than they did the entire Mummy franchise trying to keep these guys on the field these last couple of years. Uh, but let's look at the waiver wire. Ian kind of mentioned the the first guy we'll hit on here, Cats, and that is Justin Fields, who is putting together some darn good performance here recently and kind of showing why you can't just automatically write off the Konami code. And he's starting to play some good football, isn't he? I, I'm amazed that he is out there still in about 60% of leagues because Justin Fields, like Ian said, that's four straight QB1 performances. And the key here and this is something that doesn't necessarily show up in the box score, is it's not just that Fields is rushing, because we've seen quarterbacks scramble all the time. These are not scrambles. These are designed run plays for Fields. The Bears are finally designing their offense in a way that plays to Fields' strengths. He now uh, has, since week three, his lowest rushing output, 47 yards. I mean, he's basically giving you an extra touchdown per game on the ground in terms of uh, fantasy point value. Even if he only throws for about 100 yards, at this rushing rate, he kind of needs only one touchdown to get you to about 14 to 16 points, averaging 76 rushing yards over his past three games. And Fields, man, the upcoming schedule looks really, really good. I think he's got the Falcons, uh, the Dolphins, and the Lions in there. I'm not sure what the exact order, but I mean, Fields at this point, every week set and forget a QB1. If he's out there, he's not a streamer. Pick him up and start him. Is this, I'll ask this to both of you guys, is this the best we've seen the Bears offense look since Bill Lazor took over play calling duties from Matt Nagy back like a couple years ago? I think it is. And it, I think a lot of it comes down to fields literally just playing better and kind of compensating for what's happening with this team. Obviously, the running game is great. You know, I think Luke Getze certainly deserves a lot of criticism for his passing game yeah. uh, implementation, his inability to. Um, kind of mold any type of feasible passing game around. There is some talent at the receiver position. It's not much, but like Cole Komet getting his first touchdown yesterday. Like that shouldn't have taken so long. He shouldn't have had so few opportunities. Um, Justin it's Fields the opportunities that bother me more than just him finding the red zone. Exactly, exactly. Like using Fields in this rushing manner. Like it just took a little too long and it's hard. Like I'm not saying he's, you know, working with a lot here, but there's mm -hmm. there's ways to succeed that I think it took a little bit too long to hit those spots. Obviously with this type of running game though, 
this has been a phenomenal ground game. And so it's, it's been really nice to watch fields coming into his own and kind of compensating for some of those issues and just making better throws, making better decisions. I really do think he's becoming a franchise quarterback in front of us uh, over the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I think it speaks to potentially what this unit could be by the end of the season, uh, that they're continuing to run the ball well and fields is playing so well. I mean, they, they put Justin Fields in a, in a rough spot by not bringing in any pass catchers, and they were really banking on the development of guys like Vels Jones and players like Equinemia St. Brown and Dante Pettis step up alongside uh, Darnell Mooney. Um, we'll see what happens next year. This is a very loaded wide receiver class. I'd love to see them add some talent. If they could bring in someone with some size, like a Quentin Johnston out of TCU, we're talking about something here because you've got a decent little pairing between him and Darnell Mooney. Just something to talk about later, um, but... I gotta, th- you gotta be appreciative of what's going on with Justin Fields, and just shows, hey, when it comes to rookies, have some patience. If you would, if you would have given Josh Allen the same treatment, you probably wouldn't see Josh Allen the way he is right now. I'm not, I'm, believe me, I'm nowhere trying to say Fields is Josh Allen. I'm just saying you've got to give guys time to develop. We're seeing it. We saw it with Josh Allen. We're seeing it with with Jalen Hurts. Give Justin Fields the same kind of ability to flourish and grow in this offense, and we can end up seeing a very good quarterback up there in Chicago. And I think honestly, Bears fans. Probably they really need that right now because it's been rough uh, being a Bears fan as of late. Similar as it has been a Broncos fan, despite thinking that Russell Wilson was going to bring and turn this offense around. Uh, Maybe the high knees did it, but Latavius Murray also certainly helped this weekend. Had himself a good game, rushing 14 times for 46 yards with a touchdown. Also caught one of his two targets for 13 yards. End of the day with 12.9 yards. Um I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with the entire backfield. I think Melvin Gordon still deserves a run back there, but if they're going to keep splitting things up here, then I think Latavius Murray, who's still out there in about uh, 60% of leagues, I think he deserves some consideration here, especially with them coming off of a bye uh, after this week. We'll see how that offense could shape up. He's got momentum right now. He's playing good football, played decently well last year as well, kind of in a similar style role. So I think Latavius Murray is also going to be in consideration, especially if the Denver Broncos are starting to figure out this offense, try to get things turned around. We could see some more scoring opportunities on the board. Another running back who had a decent uh, week here, uh, Ian, is Kenyon Drake. And I think it's it's trying to figure out what the heck is going to happen every single week in Baltimore. One time we think it's going to be Gus Edwards. Then all of a sudden, here it is, Kenyon Drake, who scored the receiving touchdown, catching all four of his targets for only five yards. But one of them was for a touchdown, and that's what ended up saving because outside of that, rushing seven times for 62 yards. How much confidence do you have in Kenyon Drake kind of moving forward, or do you think this could be a little bit of a, just a, a messy time split in general here, especially when we kind of look at at some point, they're going to get J.K. Dobbins back as well. Yeah, this, this is just a mess. It's so hard to tell. Like, Drake has his skill set. He's been really, really good in that skill set, finding creative, um, explosive plays throughout his career and then also being a good receiver. But also look at his game log this year for Baltimore. He has uh, essentially two games of two or more targets. That's it. So like, we don't know when he's going to get those great targets. We don't know. But sometimes he's given the best touches on the field. And so I think he is a decent player add for certain rosters right like for certain rosters that need mm-hmm. that type of playmaker that can deal with that ups and the downs like you're literally just going game to game and you're like a 50 50 win or loss he might be the guy that swings it um I, I feel better about gus edwards jk dobbins like when he's back i i really don't know what to expect out of dobbins because i feel like you're almost playing for 2023 with him if i'm the ravens like i don't know Same. that i even want to expose him to that much yeah he's my long-term guy so I would add Drake in the right situation. 
I just don't know what the heck to, to expect out of him moving forward because it's even look back to the Cleveland game, 11 carries for five yards. So just a totally ineffective run game. You saw that in Miami in week two, but then you also have the, the explosive games too against the Giants in Tampa Bay. So it's he's just going to be an extremely hot and cold hit or miss type of guy. I mean, at this point, I, I agree with you. Just focus on 2023 and hope that what's happening right now with Saquon Barkley can happen to J.K. Dobbins, someone who lost the one year because of the ACL tear and then was just unproductive the next year. Like at this point, you're assuming, okay, two years is what it's going to take to see you get the running back that you thought you used to have. And I mean, granted, he was always due for a little bit of regression after leading the league in, in rushing yards uh, per carry in his rookie year. But I mean, certainly they were expecting more of him than this, but hopefully we kind of get him back and healthy because Dobbins is an incredible talent. We saw it at Ohio State. He should be good in the NFL. Just got to stay healthy. Another running back who was kind of surprising us a little bit and just a, a situation where we're not entirely sure what's going on here is down there in Atlanta with Arthur Smith, who wants to establish the run like it is going out of style and full credit to him. It's it's working in Atlanta. Like we said, we can talk about what's going on down there, but the results are there as as weird as it is sitting here at four and four next week. They will play the Atlanta. They will play the Los Angeles Chargers. But Caleb Huntley came in there and racked up 91 yards on 16 carries. Tyler Algier also had himself a decent game, but Huntley was the more efficient player at seven, uh, 5.7 yards per carry to, compared to Tyler Algier at just 2.8, although Algier was never going to be an efficiency star. That's not his game. Never was at BYU. I think for me, I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant to buy into this just because they're expecting Cordero Patterson to return off the IR likely in week nine. If that happens, then we're going to see a shift in this backfield take place again. And it's, it's hard for me to think that Cordero Patterson is going to step back into the same role that he had, especially kind of what we saw last year and especially towards the beginning of this year. And I think that's a player that if your league doesn't have IR stashing capabilities, um, check and see if Cordero Patterson got dropped. Because guys are sitting here on, they're having bench issues with bye weeks, especially coming up with these last couple ones. If Patterson is potentially out there, obviously it's going to be a rare case. But it's someone I would look at, and obviously I would prioritize over top of someone like Caleb Huntley. Although we did have a good game, you're still looking at the long-term value of someone and what they can bring you for multiple weeks. I think Cordero Patterson kind of puts a little bit of a hitch in the giddy-up for Caleb Huntley. Checking on some receivers here, Rondale Moore for the Arizona Cardinals. It's This is obviously the D-hop team. We kind of saw that here. It's what we expected. And can we just give the, the touchdown catch that DeAndre Hopkins had? Good God. And there was nothing Harrison Smith could do. He played it well. He face-guarded him, had his hands up, and DeAndre Hopkins just said, no, I don't care. Plucks it one hand, uh, one hand out of the air, goes three, uh, 12 of 13, buck 59 in a tutty uh but Rondell Moore also found the end zone as well too catching seven of eight for 91 and a score do you guys think that is Rondell Moore finally going to become an asset I mean Ian, you kind of saw this, how low he was used last year and especially in terms of a dot it's kind of been a similar thing here are we going to start seeing a bit of a Rondell Moore resurgence here and hopefully kind of get him to be more of an intermediate target here for the Arizona Cardinals moving forward I think they're going to have to. I, I mean, first of all, yeah, it, it was like watching DeAndre Hopkins catch that ball. It was almost like a magnet was in his glove and the ball just like took straight to the magnet. It was unbelievable. Like it wasn't even like the Odell Beckham or George Pickens catches were like 
those were incredible catches, but the ball kind of falls mm-hmm. into their hand perfectly. His hand almost just, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't have this like a This reminded me hand. of those old fantasy football commercials. Do you remember those where like they had the players like one guy would like punch through the wall and catch the ball? Or oh. you had like Andre Johnson like catch him like over top of each other like he was catching yeah. down. Like that's what it felt like to me. Like a dude, it was a complete CGI kind of move. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think looking at this, Arizona has to start getting more involved. Like it just being more explosive. Like this is his game. It's just yeah. it, the excuses are gone, right? Like we have to see no more games of nine or le- or fewer yards per attempt going to him or yards per catch going to him. It's just unbelievable. Yep. The offense desperately needs it. Now there's, I could understand it the first couple of weeks before Hopkins got back, but now the field is being stretched a little bit more. The offense has been responding a little bit better. Like everything's working a little bit easier. I think with, you know, Benjamin producing too, that's going to help. I do. I, I think more is going to be a little bit more explosive and that helps his fantasy value so much. Like that's been my, my two concerns for him is like one red zone. If he's not going to be in the red zone, he has to be making explosive plays. They haven't been giving him ex- explosive touches. I do mm-hmm. think that does improve a little bit here moving forward. Yeah. Something we also did kind of see a little bit of improvement here was with the New York Jets passing offense. And while Zach Wilson, I think jury's out, obviously right now, he is making a ton of mistakes that he should not be making. Um, I get he had some time off things like that, but look, you can't make some of those plays, but it didn't stop Garrett Wilson from having a good day, catching six of his seven targets for 115 yards in the Jets 22-17 loss to the Patriots with Bill Belichick breaking uh George House's record but cats this is a this is a great sign for Garrett Wilson it's I get they had Corey Davis who was out this week which obviously did not help things probably except for for Garrett Wilson do you think this is a role that he can kind of maintain can he keep this kind of efficiency up even if they do get back Gabe Davis and if he's out there is this an automatic waiver wire ad for managers here and we head into week nine yeah, it's another tricky situation because we saw what Garrett Wilson could do early in the season when he had those back-to-back games with was a combined 25 targets in weeks two and three. Uh, but, I mean, then he disappeared for about five weeks, and now he's back. Season-high uh, uh, seven targets. Or sorry, season-high uh, six or seven targets for 115 yards. Yep. Most importantly, operated as a clear wide receiver one, played 88% of the offensive snaps, led the wide receivers in routes, run, and targets. We know he's talented. We know he's good at football. And could this be a blip? Yeah, it's definitely possible. But without Corey Davis, with Elijah Moore in the doghouse, we have, or possibly being traded, we have no choice but to act on this. I know we've talked about this before, but we can't wait and see if this is the real deal. We have to make a decision now. And Mm -hmm. given the upside and the potential for Garrett Wilson to be a difference-making player, you've got to take the swing at this point in the season. I mean, it's the same conversations and feelings we had about Garrett Wilson when he started going off earlier with Joe Flacco. I mean, we know Garrett Wilson is incredibly good. Like, the Jets might have and it's looking very likely at this point they might have gotten the three best players at their individual positions this year in the draft Garrett Wilson looks like the truth I mean it's that entire Ohio State just wide receiver room which is just absolutely absurd he's out he's rostered in about 60 percent of leagues but it's one of those where you've got to take the shot if he's absolutely out there and I think someone right now kind of touching back onto the Chicago Bears situation look Darnell Mooney might finally be coming viable and it's someone who never should have been dropped but we were forced into a case where look they're not throwing the ball we had to make a choice of fantasy managers but he is the unquestioned number one this week and did catch all five of his targets for 70 yards yet to find the end zone but I think with the increase in efficiency of the Bears passing offense you've got to take looks at Darnell Mooney as well I don't love the matchup this week against Miami Dolphins likely going to see a lot of Xavier Howard on Darnell Mooney which isn't great but after that 
You're looking at the Detroit Lions, the Atlanta Falcons, who are down multiple defensive backs, and then the Jets. So I don't hate that upcoming schedule. They got a late bye in, in week 14, which is good and bad. And then at that point, they come back against Philadelphia and Buffalo. So if you can get anything out of Darnell Mooney now, awesome. And if you can, and he has a great game, it's a flip opportunity. There's another opportunity there because someone who was also really high on Darnell Mooney, you can kind of get out before that bye weekend before some of the tough part of the schedule comes up. Heading over across the pond, Evan Ingram also had himself a decent day looking at the tight ends here, catching four of his six targets from Trevor Lawrence for 55 yards and also found the end zone for the first time this year. And it's kind of been a case of just volume, but inefficient volume. That's kind of been the issue for Evan Ingram because he came into this week 11th in target share, 7th in routes run, um, and 8th in overall target volume at the position, but, you know, was, you know, bottom five in several other categories as well, but you've got to love what he's kind of done over these past four games, catching 19 of 29 targets for over 230 yards with that score. Are we starting to see Evan Ingram finally become that wide receiver? I'm mean, sorry, that tight end slash wide receiver, I guess you could say that we always kind of wanted him to be, or will this offense kind of always kind of hold him back a little bit. I mean, you know, Doug Peterson loves his tight ends. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's kind of a mixture of both. Like, he's tight end 10 right now um, in PPR leagues. And that last month, like you mentioned, has been a huge part of that. Just much more consistently involved uh, compared to the first month. He had that great breakout week two, seven receptions, 46 yards. I mean, relative, that's pretty good for him. But his yards per reception have been going up and up and up if the season keeps going. Kind of looking at his career numbers, like he's kind of in line with that first couple of years with the Giants when he was a stud, when we all really liked him. His catch rate is even higher. He's catching 71% of passes. His yards per target is the second high of his, highest of his career, 7.3 yards. You just worry about the red zone. And I think that's the entire problem with this Jacksonville Jaguars team. They don't have the X receiver. They don't have the guy who can go make the crazy play. I mean, I think Marvin Jones is a good candidate to be that guy, but they don't give him a lot of opportunities. I think Engram should be a better red zone target because he is so athletic, but he's just not being used that way. There, there's just a dysfunction on that offense. I don't really think that there is that higher potential for him, but still he is tight end 10. So there is value to that. If he can get a couple of more touchdowns throughout the rest of the season, I think he's a viable starting option for someone, especially if you maybe, you know, invest in a tight end early that didn't really work out or someone's banged up there. You could definitely do worse than him. And I think he is trending upwards. I think if you were, if you were relying on David Ajoku and you lost him, you're serving the position. I think that makes some sense. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind Evan Ingram, but I think also too part of it sitting as the tight end 10 is also a reflection just on the position itself because of how volatile it has been and how little it has taken to be a, a tight end one. I, I'd have to look it back up, but I remember seeing I remember seeing this stat going into, I think it was last weekend maybe. Like there had been over 30 different tight ends who had registered a top 12 outing in, in a given week, which is, it's an absurd stat. I, like I said, I'd have to look it up, double check and make sure I get the, the correct one. But it's, like I said, it's a ref, both a reflection of his talent and upside, but also just where the position is as itself. One tight end who is showing up really well, though, is Greg Dolchich the rookie for the Denver Broncos. So they absolutely loved this preseason is, and is everything we expected out of Albert Obergwebenam. But uh, despite him looking like an extra from the Pirates of the Caribbean, he is absolutely putting in that work on the field for Russell Wilson, catching six of his nine targets for 51 yards uh, as Denver did knock off the New York Jets. That's back-to-back great games. Quite frankly, like three straight, if you want to go back into his first game where he didn't see a ton of action, but also had that touchdown. Three straight games with double-digit PPR points. Cats is Greg Dolchich. 
is he now one of those guys where you can kind of peg him in as a low end tight end one, high end tight end two kind of every week? And if you're streaming the position, this might be your saving grace for the remainder of the year. It'll be your saving grace. I do think so. Just not this week with the Broncos on by. So it's unfortunate timing because if you're picking up Dulcich, you probably need to fill that tight end position. And I don't know if, if you can necessarily afford to pick him up, stash him, and then pick up somebody else to play this week. But uh, regardless, I don't know your specific team situations. All I know is that Greg Dulcich is on 42% of rosters right now, and that's going to be well over 70% of this time next week. I'm pretty confident in that. He needs to be rostered. Like Tommy said, we have three straight weeks now with double-digit fantasy points. He played 80% of the snaps in London against the Jaguars. Uh, he's he's essentially their third option in the passing game at this point behind Cortland Sutton and yep. Jerry Judy. He really was the second one because Cortland Sutton can't really do anything against the Jaguars, but I'm sure that hopefully that won't persist. But yeah, Dulcich looks like an every week tight end one at this point. So I'd go get him. Sutton should have had a, a he should have had another big touchdown, but that that drop, that's something you never see Brutal. out of court and sudden. Uh, it, it was, bro. But I will say, too, about with Greg Dolch's upcoming schedule after the bye week at Tennessee, Las Vegas, at Carolina, then at Baltimore. Those are four straight games that are favorable to tight ends. So I do like him if you can stash him. I like what he's got moving forward. I think one other player had maybe under the radar contender for performance of the week, Isaiah Likely for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night, did catch six of his seven targets for 77 yards and a score. Mark Ingram, I'm sorry, Mark Andrews came into the game banged up, uh, but left without an ankle injury, but left because of a shoulder injury. So it's it's one of those, like you couldn't have seen that one coming. So it, it is what it is. But Isaiah likely flourished in this game. And it's kind of been a, a consistent target for them when they needed a, a bigger play. And it's if Mark Andrews misses any time. Good God. Isaiah Likely is looking like someone who could be a, a difference maker for the Baltimore Ravens, who really Rashad Bateman's banged up. You're getting most production out of Devin Duvernay right now. I think Isaiah Likely could become a factor here moving forward. They got New Orleans this week and then a bye, uh, but I think that's definitely worth looking at in case if anything does further uh, prolong the injury for Mark Andrews. Check out just some of the other names here. Uh, just run through real quickly. Ronnie Rivers out there and only rostered in 1% of leagues. Also trying to figure out what's going on with that backfield, but a name to kind of take a look at. Also with the Rams, especially with uh, Cooper Cup suffering the inj- injury. Van Jefferson uh, only rostered in 24% of leagues. Like I said, had the quietest 800-yard season ever last year and kind of had his first game back uh, this week. Ben Skrawanek also has kind of had his up and down moments, but still available in over 90% of leagues. And then Terrence Marshall kind of finally had his, his first Welcome to the NFL game. It felt like this weekend uh, against the Atlanta Falcons rostered in less than uh, uh, less than 1% of leagues for the most part out there pretty much everywhere, but could be worth consideration if you think what we saw this weekend is going to translate into further production as it kind of takes over that Robbie Anderson role. Some guys that are maybe available, but probably hit a little bit too high on the percentages. Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Donta Foreman, who's looking like Derrick Henry out there. Uh, only out there in about a quarter of the leagues, but needs to be rostered everywhere. Gus Edwards, the healthy at city, uh, sitting at a healthy 69%. Khalil Herbert at 64%. Tyler Algier, Wandell Robinson. Allen Robinson also had himself a surprisingly decent day. Kadarius Toney, who we've tons of upside, but we got to see what happens with him in, in uh, Kansas City. And then finally, Devin Duvernay out there in doubt half of the leagues. But also, if you ask you guys if you want to win a free $200 bet this NFL season, well, as a new DraftKings Sportsbook user, you can bet $5 and win a free $200 bet. Just head over to ProFootballNetwork.com and check out the latest betting promos to claim this offer today. 
We do have one more game here in week eight and taking place here on Halloween as the Cincinnati Bengals take the trip up the state to uh, Cleveland to take on the Browns. Cleveland, the Bengals do enter this game as three and a half point favorites. And I think it's going to be an interesting game here on this one. I, I think the community seems kind of split. What are your kind of initial impressions of what you're, how you're kind of diving into this Monday Night Football matchup? Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. It, Cleveland's been kind of owning this series the, the last couple of years. Surprisingly, they played very well versus a better Cincinnati team. Uh, obviously, in Cleveland on prime time, I expect it to be hype. Like, this is really Cleveland's last stand. I mean, they need this game. If they don't win this game, you can all but throw their season into that river. Uh, Lake Erie is just going to be on fire if they lose this one, unfortunately. So, I don't love three and a half. I really don't. I think Cincinnati is the better team. I love that we're getting plus 100 on the Bengals at minus three and a half over at DraftKings. Um, I would lean towards that. That would, I don't like the under over under. It's the total is 45. I think we could easily get to that one. Um, both these teams kind of play into each other's uh, weaknesses a little bit. Cleveland's rush defense, obviously bad. Denzel Ward's out for this game. Uh, we saw Greg Newsom and Greedy Williams are going to be uh, playing for Cleveland, but those two guys, even though they're banged up, it's it's better than nothing, but those guys are still not very good. Jamar Chase out, still T. Higgins. Like There's a lot of advantages on both sides for these offenses, so I would lean towards the over if you're going to take the over, and I, I, I like the Bengals minus 3.5 a, a little bit more. I, that would be my play because of the plus 100. Uh, Bengals 5-0 and against the spread in their last five, 12-3, against Cleveland over the last 15 games against the spread. The Browns overall just struggling, 5-10 and 10 against the spread in their last 15 games. Uh, part of that's just because just, they haven't been a great team. Baker Mayfield and obviously Jacoby Brissett, that's played a big part into it. Um, the under has hit in 10 to the last 12 for the Bengals, and the Browns have gone over in 5 to the last 7. That's why I'm a little bit weary of that total too. So right now I say Bengals minus 3.5, get those plus points at plus 100. You know, it almost seems fitting that the NFL slate falls on Halloween, you know, given how this year is going. You know, and on a day where the, like the voices of mistakes past haunt quarterbacks and the, the creaks of footsteps follow every receiver running across the middle of the field. Is there anybody you're loving for props tonight? I know the anytime touchdowns have been hitting pretty well. So do you like anyone for this game? I do. There's three of them that I like. Like I said, the Browns are really bad with their rush defense. They're 31st in rushing touchdowns allowed. That means we got to play Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, anytime touchdown is minus 120. That's the obvious one. I'm actually going to be avoiding some of the other obvious ones uh, for this one because I, I don't know for a fact it's going to be a high-scoring game. I, I like Harrison Bryant. We talked about David Njoku with him being out. If you're relying on him, then you you fully well know that Cleveland's been getting the tight end position more involved. I think Bryant's in a good position to take advantage of that. He's plus 320 to score an anytime touchdown this week. And I would actually look at Cincinnati's tight end as well, Hayden Hurst, to get an anytime touchdown at plus 245. The Browns' middle linebacker position has been a disaster. We're still waiting on news on JOK, see if, seeing if he's going to be pl playing, if he's going to mm -hmm. be limited at all. Could be a huge opportunity there. John Johnson's been a disastrous free agent signing for Cleveland as well. Just absolutely no impact in 2022 after a, a pretty solid 2021. So I think with this defense in flex, in flux, look at the middle of the field here. So I'm going Bryant and Hurst, looking for those big returns. Yep. I think it makes a ton of sense. Fuck kind of focus on the middle of the field. Mixon, Harrison, Brian, then Hayden Hurst finding the end zone. I think it makes a ton of sense. They might be finding that end zone as quickly as you see all the kids running up to that house and that they know was giving out the full size candy bars. Like you're going to that house multiple times. And we might see that happen again here. Cats, I'm pretty sure you had yourself a pretty darn good weekend. Uh, I know Ian had himself, but I'll give you a second here to kind of talk about how your plays went and where people can find all your work over at. 
Yep, I know we come on here every week, and I'm always transparent about uh, the good stuff and the bad stuff. And this week, it was a good one. A 14-7 and seven on props, which included a Thursday nighter for plus six units. That puts us at 79-63 and 63 on the season. That plus 15.9 units. And, you know, we're eight weeks in, and things are going very well so far. I hope to continue it over the second half. My touchdown props, not as good as Ian's. I should have, should have tailed some of his instead of going with my own. I had three long shots out there. I did not hit any of them, but we're still 9-9 nine and nine at plus 8.55 units. So not really concerned about that. All of my props are posted throughout the week on the PFN Discord, and sometimes you want to get on them early because these lines do shift. Um, if you wait for my Sunday morning article, which you should read, uh, but you may you may get a uh, the worst a worse line on some on some props in terms of what I get. So you want to get out that get a, get those in there as early as possible. And let me tell you though, if you want to follow me for all of my bets, there is a spot you can do that, and you can you can see that in real time. And Tommy will tell you about that. Yeah, talk to all our friends over at Pickett. Are you guys tired of tracking your sports bet out on messy spreadsheets or don't know your ROI and record because you're on so many different books? Well, Pickett, the best bet checking app on the market, makes it quick and easy to track all of your sportsbook accounts. Track your bets, shop the best lines, and sweat them out with an avid community of sports fans just like yourself. Sign up today using promo code PFN365 to sync all of your favorite sports books, and you can win up to $100 for free just at sign up. Pickett is 100% free and easy to use. So what are you guys all waiting for? Remember, that is promo code PFN365, where you can track all of your bets and get up to $100 just for signing up. Looking into some of the trends, I think it reflects a lot of the things you guys have talked about. Um, Cincinnati does come in as the favorite on the money line, getting 85% of the money and 81% of the volume. But Cincinnati is actually, it's a little bit closer on whether or not they're going to cover the minus three. Only 54% of the money is on them to cover and 53% of the volume. So they're also expecting a fairly close game on either side. And then also the over-under, there's no real clear lean, unlike there has been this year where the under has kind of been the prohibitive favorite. Uh, 56% of the money and 53% of the volume is favoring the under 45 and a half. But like I said, it's nothing close to the... uh, the runaways as we've seen so far earlier this year. Looking at some of the top prop bets, Nick Chubb, anytime touchdown, not entirely surprising. Looking at the volume he's been getting so far this year. Joe Mixon, also anytime touchdown, something you alluded to earlier, Ian. And also Joe Burrow passing yards. Um, a lot of people are still taking the over. It's kind of been dropped down a little bit because of the loss of Jamar Chase. Naturally so. It's arguably one of the top duos in the NFL right now. Like Outside of Tyree Kill and, and uh, Tua, is there a better wide receiver quarterback duo right now? I'm, I'm not sure. These guys are killing it right now. He'll certainly be missing him, but they will have Tyler Boyd, who stepped up massively for over 150 yards. Last week, you still got T. Higgins, who I still say is criminally underrated. Uh, so I do like Joe Burrow on there, and I think he's got a good chance to have himself a decent day. want to talk to you guys also about underdog fantasy, which is the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. Um, just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats and pick whether they'll end up with higher or lower total in that week's game. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players for your pick and entry, get all your picks right, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. It is super simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and sign up with promo code PFN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember, that is Underdog Fantasy PFN, so you can get in on the action today. <sighs> Underdog could have had a good weekend last week, uh, but I... Gabe Davis screwed me. I was all in on Gabe Davis pretty much everywhere. 
I think I went into Sunday night. I was up 7.4 units and I left Sunday night up 4.8. So that kind of tells you how much I was in on Gabe Davis last night, but it ended up being okay. I know cats, you've got some underdog plays that you are really loving this week, but before you do, I've got to ask a question. What is your favorite Halloween candy? So I'm not allowed to say candy corn, right? That's against the rules. If you say candy corn, you will never be back on this podcast. Okay, it's definitely not candy corn. My favorite Halloween candy, and I'm going to give you a very, very uh, like politically correct type answer here that's a non-answer, and that's just give me anything chocolate. I just love chocolate. To me, dessert is chocolate. Candy is oh. chocolate. I want chocolate. If it's chocolate, I'm going to eat it. So that's my answer. But Tootsie Rolls are like the worst thing you can get on Halloween. It's, they're not good. That doesn't count as chocolate. It's not really it's chocolate. Still chocolate. It's chocolate. Not really. It's not, not chocolate enough. Milk chocolate, dark chocolate, that real chocolate. Not Are you really like, that person who's happy getting milk duds for Halloween? Oh, I love milk duds. Eh, milk duds, not. Oh, uh, no. Ian, uh, yeah. Ian's your guy for milk duds. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I said this over the weekend, and I, I will not take this back, and I will die on this hill. Candy corn can go right there with Twizzlers and cotton candy and just stop existing. I, I, I have nothing for either of them. I like candy corn too. But so can, go ahead, talking about underdog. I'll let you I'll let you redeem yourself a little bit with your trash Halloween candy take. Yeah, I feel like when Tommy asks these questions, he's he always does it with such an optimistic out, uh, like outlook, and I always disappoint. I came into a low expectation, but you still found a way to to fall beneath him. Yes, I'm nothing if not consistent. Yeah, but getting back to underdog here. Uh, I'm on Joe Mixon, lower than 95.5 rushing plus receiving yards. Um, I love Ian's play of Joe Mixon to score a touchdown, but he can punch in a short touchdown without really being efficient on the ground, and he kind of hasn't been all season. Mixon is averaging just four yards per touch, which includes, obviously, receptions as well as carries, and he has not surpassed 95.5 total yards in a single game since week one. I know the matchup is good, but I still think Mixon stays below 95.5 combined rushing and receiving yards. Another one I like is T. Higgins lower than 15.05 fantasy points. I just got a weird feeling about this game. Joe Burrow has been on fire these past two weeks, but now we've got Higgins operating without Jamar Chase, and I do think Higgins is a true alpha wide receiver one and will be just fine. But 15 fantasy points and half PPR, that's a lot of fantasy points. Browns are not really a favorable matchup. They allow the 17th most receiving yards per game to wide receivers, so they're kind of just in the, in the middle of the pack there. So it's not a tough matchup either. And Tyler Boyd's going to be heavily involved. Higgins can have like seven catches for 80 yards, which is a great game. And he's not getting even close to 15 fantasy points with something like that. So I think uh, Higgins staying below 15 fantasy points is the move here. And I've got Kareem Hunt lower than 53.5 rushing and receiving yards and also lower than nine rush attempts. This is kind of correlated here. So I think this is a a good uh, play to make on underdog because if we get the rush attempts, we're probably going to get the rushing and receiving yards as well. So it's kind of a two for one here. I just see Kareem Hunt being phased out of this offensive bid. Perhaps he ends up getting traded tomorrow, but his usage has really declined over the past two weeks. Over the first five weeks of the season, Hunt saw double-digit carries and had at least two receptions in each of them in his past two games, a total of nine carries and one reception. Snap share remains in that 40 to 45% range, but he's just not seeing the ball. And just 11.8% of receiving yards allowed by the Bengals have gone to running backs. So I'm thinking Kareem Hunt continues to kind of be marginalized here. And I don't really buy into that whole philosophy that teams like to showcase players they're going to trade. I think the opposite. If you want to trade a guy, you you put him on ice. You Nobody needs to see Kareem Hunt have a big game on Monday night to be like, oh, yeah, that guy's good at football. We know Kareem Hunt is good at football. We've got a, we've got 
five, six years of track record on him. So if the Browns are looking to trade him, they're going to protect him. And I'm kind of backing a little bit on that, kind of increase the odds they can move him on Tuesday. So I'm taking Kareem Hunt's lowers on his rush attempts and rushing plus receiving yards. So you're saying that whole showcase your town is nothing but just a bunch of hocus pocus, basically. Um, Ian, I'm going to give you a chance here also to redeem this podcast with your candy takes. Give me your favorite Halloween candy and also a couple underdog plays that you like yourself too. I like the sour candies first off. I like like sour Skittles. Give me something like that. Give me like just anything that has, I mean, I do like chocolates too, but I feel less guilty when I eat like the sweets and the sours like compared to like the chocolates. So yeah. Dude, sour gummy worms. Oh, yeah. I can tear those things Something, up. Anything like that. Even like a Laffy Taffy. I, I don't mind too much, but I'm not a big candy guy, though. Either. I like Laffy Taffy's, but if you could ever get them out of the wrapper yeah. easily, they'd be oh, harder no, on my You list. just eat the wrapper. You just you just forgo it. You just say, screw it. I'm going to eat the whole wrapper. It is what it is. And then like two bites in. <laughs> you like the, the bubble gum we used to tell ourselves that was it was wrapped in rice paper <laughs> yeah. and it would dissolve when you started chewing yeah, it and it never it. actually did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. You pay for it later. And we might pay for it later <laughs> on some of these uh, these underdog plays. But it's a little more fiber in your diet. <laughs> exactly. I actually love Katz's plays. Uh, I definitely want the mix and lower as well. I, I'm on the hunt lowers as well. I agree. I think uh, hunt will be in like Miami or or Philadelphia or somewhere later this week. And I, I don't think there's a reason for they need to really show off uh, those guys anymore. And so you'll see Darius Johnson probably playing a little bit more, I think, tonight than than Kareem Hunt. I would add to it, uh, Joe Burrow higher, higher 270.5 passing yards. I, I just think this, this is one of those games where he may not even throw the ball 50 times, 40 times. He might not even have to. But it's just it's a bad defense. The Browns are just so disjointed. I think that the coaching staff, the defensive coaching staff, is in major trouble there. I don't think they're going to be able to stop Burrow at all. And then I'm looking at Amari Cooper, higher 54 and a half receiving yards. He's been almost a lot to get 60 or more receiving yards throughout this season. And he's a little inconsistent just because of the nature of working with Jacoby Brissett. But this is one of those games Cleveland's going to have to be throwing the ball. Cooper's the obvious guy. They've done a really good job getting him involved, getting him a ton of targets. It's just a matter of whether he can get uh, maybe like that one intermediate play, like that 20-yard catch, and that pushes him over. I think he does get there. Uh, as good as Cincinnati's defense has been, it's just, again, fierce rivalry. I tend to go for the hires on those. Uh, on the, I'm going on stars, at least. Yeah. If you're going to do these things, go for the stars, especially in a game like on a primetime where you know who they need to play. Um, I'm going to save this podcast because, by the way, Reese's peanut butter cups still exist and they are the number one. Like what are we even doing? It's Reese's peanut butter, peanut butter cups, but the best candy bar of all is take five. And I, I will stand by that. Take five are, are the best candies. Uh, but that will wrap up today's episode of the run the table podcast powered by pro football network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating and review, whether it's on iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts at. Can you stay up to date with all the latest news around the league by heading over to profootballnetwork.com where you can find all the analysis covering not only your fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, uh, college football and the NFL draft. Remember to get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gives you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN Productions, weekly giveaways, and weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineup and waiver wire advice, a Sunday morning start sit, plus even more betting coverage during the week to help fill up that bankroll. And it's also never too early to start your 2023 mock drafts by using the PFN MDS, which you can find over at profootballnetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Jason over at JasonCats13. You can follow Ian at NFL Film Study and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Good luck tonight. 
Um, and we will see you guys on Wednesday for another episode of the show.